welcome back, folks, to Make Mine Multiversity, a Marvel podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gregory. With me, as usual, is Nick Palmieri. Uh, this has been a bit... April's been a bit of a weird month uh, for us. We had an episode that went up the first part of the month talking about uh, the debut of the first issue of War of the Realms. Uh, and we forewent uh, posting our usual third uh third Friday of the month episode, partly because Endgame came out, partly because uh, on, on my on my bed had a lot going on. Um, and also, Jess Camacho, who's not with us, again, is getting married. So we're excited for her, and we're excited for all the things going on in her life. But we will be back uh, the third Friday of May for our regular episode then. Um, but to give you the lowdown about what we're going to be doing today, we're going to talk the first part of the episode about this uh, little indie film that came out this last week that's uh, gross like two bucks called Avengers Endgame. And in the second part, we're going to bring you all the news uh, that Marvel put out in the month of April. Um, so it's just Nick and I today. First, though, as usual, if you're coming to us from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, um, Napster, whatever the fuck people listen to podcasts on, uh, and you haven't checked out multiversitycomics.com, I don't know what you're waiting for. Pause the podcast, go to multiversitycomics.com. There's a ton of great comics content, news, reviews, and a number of other really great podcasts. That's the issue. Just restarted again. Uh, Matt Loon's great podcast where he interviews other comics critics and other fun people. Um, so check it out. They just had a new episode that came up this week with um, Steve Morris and uh, John Allison, the creator of Giant Days. Um, so check that out uh and if you're coming to us uh if you know us from apple Podcasts, stitcher rate us review us let us know how we are doing um but with that nick how you doing this fine april day i'm doing wonderful <laughs> nick is doing doing a wonderful <laughs> he is a he's a trick of the sticker over here doing wonderful it, it uh, sounds so bad out of context <laughs> It does, doesn't it? Um, cool. Uh, y'all can all sit with that. We're not going to uh, clarify. Joke. No, there's no need to clarify. Yep. Clarification is for idiots. Anyway, cool. So what we're going to be doing this first part of this episode is uh, discussing Avengers Endgame. Uh, first off, this probably does need to be said. If you have not seen Endgame yet, um, pause the podcast. Do not let us spoil this movie for you. Um, don't do that to yourself. You don't want that. Your mom doesn't want that. Your sister doesn't want that. Jesus doesn't want that. Um, uh, Reinhold Niebuhr doesn't want that. I don't know. Whatever. Um, don't do that to yourself. Uh, if you have seen it, please keep going. So we're going to talk about Avengers Endgame, the end of the 22 movie and many show spinoff saga that is the this first big phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe came out last week, has already grossed over a billion dollars. It is has the highest grossing opening weekend of all time. It's going to break some other records and things and this, that, and whatnot. And we're going to be discussing the film in depth, our reactions to it, um, and thoughts about the Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward. Um, so Nick, I'll open it up to you first and foremost. What is your sort of overall thoughts takes ideas um about avengers endgame so a few things first off um i just want to mention that box office again because i i pulled up rotten tomatoes yesterday and i just had to laugh because the number one obviously is avengers endgame with 357.2 million dollars 
domestic, like just in the U.S., um, which yeah. is number one. That's more than most movies make. Period. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's funny because the next highest movie is Captain Marvel with eight point three million, and yeah. all the others are yeah. like lower than that. And I just think it's yeah insane. Um, so I wonder, yeah, this movie just like dominated the box office this, this weekend, just like completely like no, no, no ifs, ands, or buts Mm -hmm. about any of that. And well, two things. Number one, I really, really hope that it dethrones James Cameron's avatar because that movie does not deserve to be number one. Um, and number two, I wonder how much this is related to the whole, like, don't spoil it culture because, I think they've really started building that with uh, Infinity War. And I think, like, that's a- absolutely a marketing thing, you know? Like, on one hand, yeah. Yeah. it's a big thing. Like, yes, they all they don't want people to spoil it for each other. But on the other hand, it gets people to, like, <laughs> threaten violence against one another. Um, that's, like, half oh, a joke. Oh, yeah, there but- was... There was some dude that got there was some dude that got arrested. Uh, I think like in today or yesterday for like punching his, and like no, our, maybe. Oh, I thought like somewhere in the U.S. for like punching his coworker at like Wendy's or something. <laughs> I didn't hear that part because he was because he spoiled Endgame for him. Yeah. So uh, that I just think that whole culture is very interesting, and I think it it's genius marketing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did. I think I've been telling people because like, and like even people that I know that like are not even like. Uh, like comic book people at all. Um, like my parents went and saw this movie and felt like they really needed to see this movie. And I think they've maybe watched like five of the other Marvel cinematic universe movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I've been, I've been thinking about it. Cause like I, so game of Thrones is back. You all know that. I know that everyone knows that. Um, and I know what happens in the first three episodes of game of Thrones because I'm on Twitter solely because I'm on Twitter. I don't watch game of Thrones. Uh, but I know everything that's happened and like uh, all the people that are excited that, um, you know, Arya is like the best character on the show or something. Don't at me. I don't actually watch it, but that's what I've been told by the interwebs. Uh, but like there are very few people that have spoiled or have talked about Endgame on Twitter or in a way that is not like preface with huge, like, don't look at this kinds of things. Whereas like the Game of Thrones people aren't doing that. Yeah. I what you were saying about just all sorts of people going to see the movie. My um my cousin's son, he is 16 and he's like the movie is so big <laughs> in terms of everybody talking about it that he went and started watching all of the movies. And like what kind of movie gets people to go back and watch 21 other movies just so they can be in the conversation? That's right. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Everything about this movie is insane, and just wanted to point that out. So <laughs> overall, no, I think I I think that's really important to be said first, and I'm glad that you did that because I think that like I'm gonna have a lot of sort of like mixed to, to like negative reactions about the actual film, and I don't think that that at all takes away from like the significance of the film or like its place in pop culture or like its place in sort of this this saga like this thing that marvel did 11 years 22 22 films this whole thing like that is like epically impressive um and that is like and like deserves all the praise and all the whatever that one can give mm-hmm. anything so yeah overall 
like a very, very basic overall, because we'll get into specifics, but I did like it a lot. It really felt like it was wrapping up this whole huge 22 movie thing (laughs) that they had created. And it was, I think everything that I wanted Infinity War to be is what this movie was. Like I, if you remember, I didn't really like Infinity War because it felt just too bland and too just sort of mindless action and there wasn't much of a story and there wasn't much for me to get really emotionally invested in. Uh, This movie took its time to really just go through the core characters that it chose to focus on. And yeah, it just, I think it just created a really great story. Um, Yeah. So that's my very basic overall. What about you, Kevin? Yeah. um, I think, I I think that's true. I watched, so I watched um, infinity war, like literally finished it right like 30 minutes or whatever before I left to go to the theater to watch and like I rewatched it. Um, and it was so, cause I think, I think I like when we talked about it, I liked infinity war quite a bit more than you did. Like I thought it was sort of big and epic and, um, and like, like, like serious. And I thought like Thanos was like really fleshed out as a character. Like it was like the story of like of Thanos being a, a character and it was cool. Um, I liked, so, okay. So, so I liked Endgame a lot. Um, I like, well, that de- I can definitely say that I absolutely, if, if we're going to go back and like rank all the Marvel movies or whatever, like, like people have done, like this will never make my like top five and maybe not, maybe not my top 10, but I liked it. Uh, I think that it really tied up uh, a lot of loose ends. Uh, I think it told like a really sort of like cohesive sort of narrative and sort of like hit all the greatest hits of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, showed us how far all these characters have come in over a decade, um, gave us a lot of emotional beats with um, sort of like the big, the big five or six or whatever. Um, and, and had just like a, a, a dope ass, huge third act fight scene that, um, was like really, really cool. Uh, so yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. Overall, I, I like, I get like, yeah. I think it's interesting that you said it like probably wouldn't even crack your top 10 because for me, I think it's in the top third for sure of these movies. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I think, like, I think, um, like there's, I don't, for me, like there's nothing, outside of it other than it's like it's a it's it's kind of a generic action movie at the end uh other than like the first sort of like big um like big surprise at the beginning where like they kill thanos and then there's like five years down the road um like the sort of like middle hour and a half of the movie um it's just kind of like them chasing stuff and, and being funny and parts of that like really worked and parts of that didn't work for me. Um, like I, the whole, everything they did with Thor kind of irked me a lot. Uh, but I think, I think like, Oh, I think like overall, like, I think, I think it's a great, like, I think it's a great ending and I think it like tied up this. I don't, I don't think that like, I left feeling satisfied. Like I left feeling satisfied that this, the saga of movies is over and they ended it in a really definitive way. And I don't think that it could have ended um, any other way. I think in terms of, um, 
like other Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Like there are other movies where like I have um, felt like a really sort of like strong, uh, like emotional attachment to like everything that was going on and sort of like the, the story and like the big sort of like moral or ethical crisis and things. And this was kind of like, you know, if, if you're, if you're like super, super attached to, to Downey and Chris Evans, then everything that happens in this movie will um, just like make you sob through. Like I know I've seen people talk about how like emotional they were the whole thing and how stressed out they were the whole thing, watching all those characters. And to me, like the things that I'm really excited about, about the Marvel cinematic universe now are like all these, all these extra, all these new characters that they've added in. Like I'm excited about like, like Spider-Man and Captain Marvel and Black Panther. Um, And I have like less sort of an attachment or an affinity to um, like to Downey and and to Chris Evans, Um, which is, is, is weird. I think, and we could talk more about this too, because I know, I think a lot of people who are not like, like active comics readers and like active Marvel comics readers, um, like this is, this is the only place that they know all these characters. Uh, and so like they've, and they've seen Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth and Scarlett Johansson for 10 years, play these characters and do this thing. Uh, and I, and I have also done that, but like I've been introduced to like this whole other depth and breadth and like seeing these characters in this like whole other world and things. Um, and it's like, this is not the only like portrayal of these characters that I know and have. And like, I'm not like, this is not like me saying goodbye to them, I guess in a way that I think that there are like theater goers that this is like their sort of like rat last rodeo and sort of them saying goodbye. So I would like, like, like Downey, like, you know, like Iron Man, like Tony Stark dies at the end of the movie. Um, which like, if you, uh, which like if you hadn't seen the movie and this is the first thing you're hearing about that, like I told you 10 minutes ago to pause the thing. Um, but whatever. Um, and I was just like, yeah, okay. Like this makes sense. This is the only other way that this could go. And there were like people around me that were sobbing and, and, and this, that, and the other. Uh, and I get that. Like, I get that. I understand the reason why you would feel like that perhaps. Yeah. So sort of unrelated, but branching off of that thought, when the movie first started, um, I so for the last, really for the last year, um, after Infinity War came out, is when I started my like big, like core Marvel read through, and when I read all of the Bendis Avengers and all the events, and I read all of Hickman's everything that he did for Marvel. So I had been reading all of that for the last year. Um, when I first saw Infinity War, I didn't really have that whole really strong base of Marvel Universe knowledge. And um, so going into this, especially since I had been just finishing up Hickman's Avengers run in the whole week before I went and saw the movie, when I sat down in the theater and the movie started, within like a few minutes when the characters really started interacting with each other, I was like, wow. Like, the movie, I'm having a hard time actually deciphering whether the movie got the comics really right, or if it was just a case of synergy and everything sort of lining up. But in either case, I think it's noticeable, because they lined up perfectly in terms of characterizations. And that was a really cool experience to have. Mm. And I think, you know, for people 
who are already very invested in the comics, that that's obviously a great experience. And people who aren't, I think it makes it a lot easier to get into them. Like if, if they really thought that this movie was their final, you know, last gasp for these characters, if they want more and if they're open to comics, they can try that out and it'll be much of the same type of thing. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And I like, I've like been trying to like formulate that thought that I just had without it sounding sort of like, like, like gatekeepery and, and like dickish or whatever. Um, uh, because I don't want it to, like, I don't want it to sound like, like, Oh, well I read the comics. So like this movie was just like, cause it didn't do this, this and this. And it's not like, that's not what I'm saying. I, I think like there are like, there are a lot of people that like these movies have become sort of like the sort of like pop cultural important thing of the last decade. And they are like, they're like one of the most sort of like formative things of, of the last decade. And then they've driven a lot of like the trends of like movie and television and all that stuff. Um, like NPR was talking about Endgame, uh, since I guess listen to NPR and talk about that some here. On um, they were talking about it like Friday when it was coming out. Like it was like this is a big like it's a big deal, uh, and that's all aw- like that's awesome. Um, I think like I think it might have been because I like had watched and End- like watched Infinity War so closely to going to watch Endgame. It might have been that I'd watched a two and a half hour film and then I watched a three hour film, and I like my experience of watching the three hour film was I was kind of tired. That'll do, that'll do that to you. <laughs> maybe, maybe like, maybe I need to go, maybe I need to go see, maybe I need to go see it again and I'll like have a different experience. But I left kind of being like, okay, like this is over. Cool. Um, Cause I have seen, also seen people and I've talked to people that are like, yeah, like I've, they who have already seen it twice, which, and it's only been at the time of this recording, like five days, which is just absolutely nuts. Um, but they're like, yeah, the second time was much better than the first time. That's interesting. Yeah, I saw it. I was re- really awake, fresh-faced. It was 10 a.m. on Friday. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It was a different thing. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it 6:15 Friday night and got out like 9:30 and mm-hmm. um, was like after okay. having already watched the other one. Yeah, 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 yeah. and like had been in class for part of the day and, and other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Which isn't to say yeah. that your like feelings on the movie aren't valid. No. Yeah. I just, I just, and for, for the, for the handful of people that are going to hear this and say like, you know, Kevin sucks and doesn't understand art. Um, I mean, true. Right. I'm like, you're not wrong, <laughs> but like, let me try to, let me try to like give you some extra ammo or whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, so I, so, I don't know. So, so you said you had some some extra sort of like thoughts and ideas that you wanted to explore. So let's okay. Let's, let's so move I to have that. A, a whole bunch of specifics, but before I get into those, uh, I just want to mention the actual directing style. Um, mm-hmm. When I was watching the movie, I and maybe it's just because I know the Russo brothers came from TV. I know that you know they're originally on. Arrested Development and Community, and I'm very, very familiar with their work on Community. Um, but watching the movie, I thought, yeah, these people definitely came from TV, uh, which is interesting uh, because you wouldn't necessarily expect that in a mega, ultra, crazy budget you know, action superhero movie. Um, 
But at the same time, it really works. I thought for this movie in a way that it didn't really work for Infinity War. Because in Infinity War, it was all big action. And that's not to say that they didn't do good work in some of those scenes. But I felt like overall, they had a hard time. I don't know. They just had a hard time really making it feel epic in the way that the movie wanted to be. Whereas Endgame had the one giant epic scene at the very end. So they were able to have everything else be more almost TV-like, where uh, it's just a lot of characters talking to each other, having really ordinary sort of interactions, um, and the shots are pretty basic. Um, So, yeah, that that really stuck uh, stood out to me. And there was an article on uh, rogerebert.com uh, thanks to Mike Mazikin for sending it. Um, but it, it was talking about how the movie is sort of a representation uh, of how movies and TV are interacting nowadays in a way that they hadn't really in the past. Uh, and it, it compared this and Game of Thrones and how like Game of Thrones is a, honestly a lot more cinematic <laughs> than this. Um, but that's the one that's on TV and this one's in movies. Um, and yeah, it's just a very interesting thing to note. I don't think that is bad. Um, I think that the ending sequence was really well directed and we can talk more about it later, but yeah, it, it worked because of the way that it was set up. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't um, I hadn't thought about that, but I think that that's absolutely true. Like I was I was thinking about it, um, like the middle parts. Uh, so you know how the last time, so when we did when we talked about Infinity War, we played the game of if this was a comic book event, what would be the main event and what would be the tie-ins. Mm-hmm. Um, there were parts of like the middle, um, the middle of the movie where I was like sort of as I was watching it, like playing that game a little bit, and so like some of the like side like parts of the side adventures. Like when, um, you know, like like Cap and and Tony uh, and uh, and Hulk and, and Ant-Man are they go to 2012 and then the other people go to, to Morag and the other people go um, to, uh, to to Thor, Thor, the Dark World to, mm-hmm. to that to that movie. I was like, oh, yeah, like like if this were a comic book event, you would see parts of these. But then like they'd be more explored in sort of like a one shot or a tie in. But like those kinds of things, like the like middle part of the movie, like it felt as I was watching, it's like, oh, this like kind of feels very episodic. Like these like could be like individual TV episodes, like all these sort of adventures of like they're kind of like laughing and there's like silly things going on. And it's like a little bit comedic, especially with um, again, like the Thor stuff, which I keep coming back to because I'm kind of like, oh, but uh, but some of it's like, oh, yeah, like this would have been a great, like made a great um, sort of like, you know, bite of, of television. And this is like a bite of tell. Like it feels like it like it's sort of like like like, you know, came through as like these are like episodes that are happening. And then we get to like this big thing at the end, which is like the whole like the big fight is like the whole season finale. And you're right. Like it is super like it is like very cinematic and um it's like just like at the the end of the last lord of the rings movie where there's like stuff happening and then like oh and then there's like a tacked on like extra huge ass fight scene that's a totally different way of thinking about it 
Um, I meant more in terms of the actual visual directing. Um, but yeah, I guess in terms of the story too, it was, it was very <laughs> like, I don't know if I'd say episodic, but it was clearly separated into multiple different sections. Um, which I guess is another way of saying episodic, but <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. Maybe I just don't watch enough like serialized short TV series to really be able to speak to it. Um, do you? Yeah. I mean, like, I think, um, um, like it felt like, and I'm sure, I'm sure that everything you're saying, like with the directing style, like adds this, like it felt like the middle part of the movie was more akin to like watching like episodes of like Star Trek where there's like adventures going on each episodes rather than like watching the like Marvel Netflix shows where there's like the middle part is just fodder. That is just dumb things that people are doing that doesn't have like, it's they're like less, it's just like the story has to go on for eight hours. So might as well like have some weird side quests that like really have less to do with the main plot. And it was more um, like, there's these like different, different tasks that have to happen in order to get um, here, which is like still like a through, like there's still like a through line of like a, it's, it's a, like a, you know, it's like a short form. Like it's like a, you know, it's a, it's a three, like it's a three hour movie, um, which would, you know, be like, like, like six to eight, you know, like 20, 30 minute episodes or something like you can make, like people make shows like that right now. But, um, but like the middle part was like sort of easily broken up into good chunks. And I'm sure that everything that you're saying about the directing style, like adds to those things in the ways that they were able to like sell the fact that what was going on in the script needed to be easily broken up in a way um, like that and, and could feel like that and could feel like that in a way that didn't hinder the movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. So, any more thoughts on that? No, no. Let's let's okay. Look. Okay, okay. Uh, so the five years later thing that surprised me and it excited me. <laughs> uh, I was wondering how they would tackle it. I thought, like, is this going to be like Why the Last Man, where they show how society has really changed in the time and how, like, having literally half of the people disappear. Um, but it completely didn't there was the one scene of the like group therapy session and that was it and yeah, i thought it... that was a good choice yeah i was gonna ask what like what you thought about that because there are a lot of people that are on the internet that are mad about that scene in particular just because the russo the gay brother character yeah yeah um they... yeah i had a note about that uh so I don't know what people online are saying, but my thoughts, um, it's cool that he was there. Uh, it's, it's interesting in the sense that it's visible enough, uh, in the sense that he exists and he is clearly defined as like either gay or bi. And so it's, it's undeniable visibility it's not like all of a sudden someone's tweeting out afterwards saying like, oh, by the way, this character was gay, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the same time, it's not a main character. It's not 
is someone who has such a small role and whose sexuality is only mentioned very briefly in the dialogue in such a way that when the movie is ported to other countries, they can easily change that pronoun. And I think that was the thinking behind it. Like they wanted to have a gay character, but the studio probably just wouldn't allow it because international audiences wouldn't be as receptive. Um, So I thought that was an interesting way of having a happy medium there. Oh, interesting. I hadn't even thought about that, that the having to port with the subtitles to international audiences and things. Um, Yeah. That's, that's a, I think a big reason why we haven't had many gay characters in, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but I think that's one of the big ones that prevents it from happening even today. Oh, sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Now that you say that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I think, so the people, the people, uh, on, or people on Twitter are, are frustrated with it just because the way that the Russo brothers said like, Oh, there's, there's like good queer representation in this movie. Um, when in fact it's just that one scene and that character is, is played by one of the Russo brothers. Um, uh, who is not gay in real life. Uh, and people are like, you can't say this. You can't, you can't say that you're giving me one thing and then give me this thing, um, which I agree with. But I think that, yeah, everything that you said like makes a lot of sense. It's like, this is a way for this like to be, to be visible. Like this character is like clearly a, a, a queer character and like an open and unashamed about all of those things. And, um, it is. It is interesting. I think they could have. I think they could have gone about it in a different way. I think it would have been very, like, very probably prudent for one of for like literally anybody else to have played that to have played that character and for that not to have been like a director cameo. Uh, I didn't know that was him, but I think that doesn't really matter. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's still a good way to start. Like they tried pushing the envelope. You know, I think, and that's more than any other big blockbuster movie has ever done. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Except yeah. for, I think, Deadpool 2, but I didn't see it. So. <laughs> I just haven't seen it either. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think. Hmm. I think it, like, I think it, I think it matters insofar as just like the way that they had talked about it being this like big, huge deal. And then for it to be undercut by one of them playing the character rather than having like an actual like queer person sort of like have like a minor role in the movie. Not that like to say that that mm-hmm. would have been better. Or worse. I just think, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's, yeah. Um, I just think it's, I think it's interesting, maybe questionable. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, I do think so. So going back to the larger point then that you were making about you really thought that they might explore what this world looked like after five years. I also think that that was a really good choice. Um, yeah, not. that would have been a completely different movie and it would have really changed what they were trying to do in that beginning section. Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, it would have made everything that comes after a lot harder because uh, the way that they did it, like they, they gave enough of what this world looks like to get you to get you uh, Scott and Cassie together. So Ant-Man and his, his now teenage daughter, so that eventually we can have a young Avengers movie. Um, so we got those things. 
And you did it in a way that you don't have to like screw with like whatever happens in Far From Home, which is sort of like in the next Spider-Man, which is going to be sort of ambiguous because I guess we're basically just going to go with the random probability that all of Peter and all his friends got snapped and we're just going to have to live with that. That's fine. Um, But to like not really explore the effects of of this whole thing, we didn't have to deal with a lot of like weird continuity stuff that we'll have to like deal with going forward. And it's kind of just like left open so that later filmmakers and later, later writers can do with some things what they will and can flesh out some things. And there will probably be some conflicts that ensue from this. Um, but I think it allowed them in a lot of ways to like, uh, to like a make this like five year jump, like a, almost like a hard reboot or like a hard relaunch for like the rest of the line. And so I really think the amount of restraint was really, really, really helpful. And it like also helped for the purpose of like centering the movie around all these characters that have been, a part of the franchise for forever. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you mentioned uh, Cassie Lang <laughs> uh, and Young Avengers right after we were talking about the uh, queer character because yeah. the last yeah. iteration of the team, literally every single character was queer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. don't so know if that's ever going to happen anytime soon, but I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> would be would be nice would be nice file that one would under be all right. would be nice um yeah <laughs> moving on uh <laughs> black widow death scene <laughs> okay all right yeah i'm um, sure you have thoughts i do have thoughts about this one i wish that hawkeye would have died um not because i hate hawkeye or i hate scarlett johansson or anything um I just thought it was so odd. Like it was so odd. Cause like, so they're the, both of them are the two like most underserved of all these characters that were in the first Avengers movie and having them fight over who sucks more was emotional and fine. Um, I was pissed that she died and then didn't get, she didn't get a funeral at the end. Like Stark did. Um, Cause like Tony gets this like huge funeral. <laughs> That has literally every character that's ever been in any of these movies. And she like dies. And then just like, we don't acknowledge that for the rest of the film. Like they get back. So they get back. Everybody gets back from all their missions and they're like, oh, Nat's dead. Um, but then like immediately Thanos like nukes the the Avengers camp thing. And then like we go into third act fight scene mode and just like does not acknowledge for the rest of the film. So I thought that was pretty crappy. Um. The, I like that the excuse they gave for not having a funeral was she didn't have family. That's so dumb. Like, and then they're like, her family. Yeah. Like that was the argument. Like that was literally the whole point. Was she had a new fam? Oh, sorry, I'm screaming. No, no, sure. yeah. The other guy, or I forget who was in that scene, but the other character did say that, and I was like, "That's exactly what the. That's exactly what Tony's funeral just was." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I guess it was budget cuts or some shit. I don't know, but whatever. It's dumb, dumb. Yeah. What are your What are your thoughts about? Uh, that was a really, I thought, a really well done scene. Um, yeah. Just in terms of constantly flipping, like you don't know who's gonna go, and like in terms of just being a well written like piece of dramatic action, I thought it was really successful on that, like on that level. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I I do agree with what you're saying like i don't know um <laughs> no i no, i totally yeah. i totally agree with that i totally agree with that 
I just think, and you that was the other thing side. too. Is like, well, <laughs> I agree with your side. Yes, absolutely, okay. always. Uh, um, I oh, no, I agree. It was absolutely well written, and I think that like them tugging back and forth of like who's gonna who's gonna bite it um, was well done. I just like I was I was like just so curious, like because while we're doing all this like wonky time stuff and we're doing all this like wonky quantum realm things. And it just feels like there should have been a way to, to either like avoid having killed, having to avoid having had either of them die or to like go back and get her somehow um, in a way that wouldn't, screw up the rules of time travel that they had established. And I don't know what either of those are off the bat. Yeah. The, well, the, um, <laughs> those rules were. Whew. Yeah. But no, but like, that's like the, the like, like old Marvel continuity rules. Like that's the, their time travel rules. It's always been like, you don't create, you don't create new events. You just create an alternate timeline where all these things happen. No, but the whole thing about like, I barely understood what the ancient one is that Tilda Swinton's character. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what she was saying, because it didn't make sense, she was like, yes, if you remove the stones and then put them back, then, oh my God, it does, like, everything does go back to normal. But that, what? <laughs> like, Loki, yeah, Loki because... disappeared, so... Like, that was the other... return to the normal timeline? Uh, yeah. I Because I guess, I guess, like, if you go back and put the te- like the tesseract and the mindstone back then loki theoretically never escapes but i would imagine that that's going to be the the genesis for his tele like his disney plus show that he's getting is the fact that he got the tesseract and left mm. um, and i think what the ancient one like cuz she's like mad that she's like well no like this alternate timeline that you take where i give you the time stone right now could be horrible and also i don't know that you're going to bring it back and then banner tells them no like dr strange gave the time stone up and she's like oh okay well if, if if strange knows that this is the only timeline where this has to happen then i guess this is the only timeline where this oh has to happen. okay so i was wondering like why did dr strange do the thing in infinity war because yeah. i felt like yeah. that was barely even touched on in this movie yeah i agree with that too um yeah and i think i think it was supposed to be yeah that that they so the ancient one realizes that okay this is what has to happen because strange is the best of us yada yada so things will be fine um is he though and i guess <laughs> i don't know whatever um he, he can make a metaphysical ham sandwich or something which is still a funny joke um i don't get it uh, but i sort of feel it only a little though <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's got like metaphysical, you know, mayo and. Oh, you're right. That really, that really cleared it up. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) Fuck it. Uh, um, uh, Yeah. 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 Uh, Oh, yeah. I don't know if he is. Whatever. I, the only, like, it was weird because at the end of the, the, like, the fight scene thing, he just, like, holds up his, like, index finger to Tony. Um, as it's like, this is the one. This is the one. And, that was like kind of like the only other place that it was touched That's on. That's the only thing that you should ever do in traumatic situations. Hold up your index finger. Yes. yes. <laughs> That's what I do. He was number one. I don't know. Or yeah, whatever. Um, so we don't need to go into this, but same deal with the infinity gauntlet mechanics. Like 
I, they've personally always annoyed me, even in the comics, because like once you have the Infinity Gauntlet, you can do anything. Uh, so right. why didn't you do anything? Like the Dragon Ball. Uh, I'm not familiar with Dragon Ball, but okay. What? Yeah. Have you never watched Dragon Ball Z? I- I've tried watching like some episodes on many occasions. Oh my! Yeah, I'm gosh. just not a fan of Wait, why, anime. Why? I don't even know why we have a podcast <laughs> anymore. Like we might as well just quit right now. Um, okay, that's fair. All right, keep going. Infinity Infinity Stone dynamics weird. Uh, dynamics. Yeah. So, I mean, really, at the end of the day. The time travel stuff and the Infinity Gauntlet stuff, like, I just accepted it in the moment. And, like, afterwards, when I thought a little bit harder about it for, like, literally half a second, I was like, that didn't really make sense. Yeah. Uh, but that's fine, because yeah. I think all the emotional beats really hit, and I think they all hit well. And that's what's important to me in a movie. Like, if I were to write it, I would personally make it, you know, think a little bit more about those mechanics and explain a little bit more. Uh just so that it is more internally consistent. But for the movie, in the way that it was, I felt like it worked. And that's like one of the things that, um, like I think that you and I as like people who've read comics and read Jim Starlin comics and read a lot of comics with like the Infinity Stones and the Infinity Colin and this, that, and the other. Like we're curious about those things um, in a way that, not that I think that like, moviegoers wouldn't leave the theater and be like, I don't know that I understood that a hundred percent, but I don't know that they would be worried that it was like different from the comics or that it was like less okay or less good because of, of the way that it, um, that it came off. And I think that like the way that they did it, like making the infinity gauntlet, like super OP and, um, sort of like, like really harms the user anytime they use it. Mm-hmm. That was, good. Uh, I thought that was, I thought that was, yeah, I thought that was a really great mechanic without bringing in a lot of like the weirder Jim Starlin stuff and like making Thanos have like a hard on for death or whatever. Um, like I think that was a way to um, do something uh, different and make the like have like have have your cake and eat it too in a way that uh, like made like kept kept this like comic booky sort of ridiculousness of like why would there be these six stones that can like rewrite reality? Like whose idea was that? God's dumb. Um, and like also, you know, tell like a really interesting story and like have real stakes with those things. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely a good, like the whole scene with Hulk trying it on and basically losing his arm. Um, yeah. That, that was all effective because I think it was also based in the character. Um, like we cared about what happened to Hulk, you know? Yeah, it, it, yeah, with him and his cute sweater vest. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that was a cool way of introducing a mechanic that was unique to the movie, and yeah, yeah it uh, that allowed them to explain, or it allowed them to act like they explained things, which is all you really yeah. needed. Yeah, which also I absolutely had the moment at the end, speaking of uh, dumb Infinity Gala, Infinity Star Mechanics, of like, wait a minute. So you're telling me that at the end of this movie, Thanos is going to snap his fingers again and kill half the universe. And Tony Stark just takes the stones out of the gauntlet and puts them in his armor. Why in the hell did Tony Stark not take the stones out of the gauntlet 
Infinity War <laughs> when they put Thanos under a trance and were trying to take the gauntlet off his hand so that they could save the universe. Like, why didn't they just take the stones out of the gauntlet? They wouldn't yeah. have had to use them. They could have just taken them out of the gauntlet. It, it didn't make so, sense. Again, but, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I still like the movie. Yeah, like, it's fine. It's fine. Like, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. But I'm just like, I'm just like, okay, cool. Cool. Um, like, yeah, like you're saying, like, the, the emotional arc of the movie forgives some of the dumb like the the dumb technical know-how that like really doesn't matter because we're not the ones in charge but i like i i was watching that and then i watched him do that and then i left the theater and i was like wait a minute and and yeah but it was fine it was fine Mm -hmm. uh so on to the huge group scene uh yeah it gave me chills which doesn't happen a lot in movies uh it's yeah, it was really well done in terms of like in terms of everybody showing up and then in terms of I thought the one shot of it's like a very very well uh like it's taken from very far back um and you can just see so much on the screen like in the sense that if you're watching on a phone or even a tablet i don't think you would even be able to come not comprehend but literally see everybody and everything that are in that frame and it just felt so huge and i thought the staging of all the um the little yellow circles um was really nice in the way that it was like the size and uh, like location the way that it varied and lit things up it was just a really great shot and I think that is one of the things that will stick with me probably forever about this movie um, it really hit that spectacle that the movie wanted to get and it felt earned yeah. because of the rest of the movie yeah and because of the 11 years that preceded the movie yeah of course yeah yeah um i told yeah i 100 percent agree with that mm-hmm. uh that the whole that whole like the whole last you know whatever 30 minutes or whatever it was of that fight um like just portions of it were really beautiful mm-hmm. and i i i totally agree with you Absolutely. there were some shots that didn't totally make sense like there was one shot where all of a sudden it's all the women and it's like they have no reason to all be together right now at this moment but i'll accept it because <laughs> that's just yeah. what we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it was, I mean, it was fan service. It was like fan service in the best way. Like, you know, you got all the A-Force people together. You know, Cap's got Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Um, like, that's all fan service And there were people that gasped in the theater when that happened, though. So I was kind of like, okay, well, this is fine. <laughs> um, this is cool. Um, just like uh like gamora like gamora nebula and peter like her like kicking him in the nads or whatever it is that she does um like some characters meeting and the battle was like a little bit fan service but it was fine because it's like these things need to happen i did in the end the like when um like when tony and peter are hugging because he sees him for the first time in five years i i did i did well up a little bit there because that was Mm -hmm. that was really cute yeah Yeah. anything peter a plus <laughs> yeah yeah and then and then another thought that i had as i was leaving i was like oh far from home is just gonna be 
Peter like searching for a new dad. And it made me really sad. Wow. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, all right. I'm, so I'm it's sorry. all good because we can <laughs> track back to when Tony wasn't dead. Talk a little bit about the, yeah. um, the, how they went back and did the greatest hits thing. That was great. I loved it. I had a huge dumbass grin on my face when they did the like Avengers shot from the original Avengers movie. Um, and they showed up there. Yeah, that was just a really nice surprise that they went back and did that. <laughs> and yeah, it was fun. I liked it. Yeah, I liked that yeah. whole portion of the movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the the going back to the the battle in New York was really fun. Um, I thought all of the comments about Cap's ass were really fun. Um, America's ass. <laughs> Uh, um, and, and, and like the way that all the characters were handling it because they're like all jaded and it's been, you know, like they've had all these emotional experiences. And so now they're in this place where like, uh, like, look at what we were doing. Um, it, all of it felt really earned. The only, the only one of those, uh, three bits that I didn't struggle with, but it was just kind of like, uh, was like again, like the 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 Thor thing. Like, okay, so I'll, I'll just ask you all right. Like, what did you think of like washed up, uh, drunk, drunk old man Thor? Uh, no strong feelings either way. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Uh, clearly, you hated it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. I just like. Hmm. I thought like I thought parts of it were, or like. Like some of it was like a little bit like callous. In what um, sense? Um, hmm. I don't know. That like like he's like literally like he's like literally a god and like shouldn't like those are things that like shouldn't happen to him. But also just that like uh like oh like sort of like the opposite of being um like happy and optimistic or like sort of like the like the optimistically like depressed and despairing kind of thing that he was in infinity war is like being a fat drunk um and i just like i don't think that i just don't think it was like hand like i don't know that it was like handled with because it was it was like meant to be like comic relief and and comedic and funny um and i was like watching a lot of that stuff and like kind of like cringing a little bit so i was like i think that this is really parts of it were kind of annoying to me um but not so annoying that i was like i felt as strongly as you that's fair that's fair um i yeah it's like it, it felt like like I know that he like you know he like kills Thanos and he feels like a failure, um, and to me, because I know that they were playing it for like they were playing it for laughs, and there had to be like comedy things in the middle of the movie, um, or they didn't have to be, but they chose to be because like most of Infinity War was like a very serious movie, and there were like a handful of laughs here and there, but like most of it was very very, like the stakes were really high and and things were hectic, and like obviously the stakes were really high in Endgame, but there had like been five years and there had been like a little bit of of coping or some kind of like 
dealing with, okay, here's our world now. And so not everyone is, is all like grimacing and serious and, and this, that, and the other, they're more just like grieving. Um, and, but I think like, I, I feel like, like Thor, like Thor's reaction wouldn't be, I'm going to go be drunk. It would be, I'm going to go like, try to save everyone kind of thing. And just like, I know that they were doing it for laughs, but like parts of it, I just wanted to be like, this is really, this is just like really not like, okay. in the, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you think that he actually gained all that weight? Or do you think that was some like Nick Fury in Captain Marvel CGI? Oh, I think it was CGI. It was metaphysical weight. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I get that. Yeah, no, I think it was, uh, or, or he had like a padding, like a pad thing under. No, I don't think, I don't think Chris Hemsworth gained all that weight. Cause I, he was like recording like men in black at the same time, basically, okay. I guess. Or like, didn't he like, I would assume you like recorded men in black yeah. right after this. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, speaking of, I don't know. Captain Marvel. Sorry. Were you, did you have anything else to add there? No, I'm good. I'm done. I'm done. I, I did my rant. I'm over it. Um, I'm over it. So it's a good thing that, Oh, okay. Before I say that at first I was like, we just had a whole movie about her. I thought she was going to be a big part of this movie. And then she shows up and just destroys everything. Um, and I was like, that's why she wasn't in more of this movie. Uh, yeah. So I, yeah. my, which I thought I thought that was handled really yeah, well. Yeah, that was also. the note that I wrote down. Good thing Captain Marvel showed up so late to the scene, or else there wouldn't have been a scene. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, not a lot to say there, <laughs> but you know they they found a way to yeah. deal with the fact that she is very powerful, or as some people might say, overpowered. But that's okay because she can just show up at the end yeah. of a battle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she can just like wreck wreck thanos's ship and have like her, a really great haircut. her limitation um, is just that she can't be in more than one place at one time and she has a duty for the entire universe so i think that's enough of a limitation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and i think too like uh because people people were mad at how she looks in in like the infinity war trailer because they filmed or the end game trailer. Cause they filmed this movie before they filmed captain Marvel, I think. Um, and so people were like worried that cause she like had all that makeup and, and all that, all that stuff. I like, she looked, looked less like her character in captain Marvel in some ways, but then like she comes back at the end of the movie and she like, looks like, like a space pirate. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I can, this is good. I like this. Yeah. Um, um, so the final thing that I wanted to talk about was all the main endings for the six man characters. So we have two characters mm-hmm. who are dead. Uh, that's Tony and Black Widow. One character who is old enough that he's going to die very soon. Uh, and he's clearly not a hero anymore. That's Cap. Um, did you know that Did you know that Stan Lee was supposed to be Chris Evans aged ooh. at the end of that movie, but they couldn't do it because he was having all the problems that, at the end? <laughs> I am not going to finish that sentence because following exactly what you said was bad. Fair enough. But... Um, oh, I should, no, I'm going to finish that sentence because it sounds worse saying that (laughs) what I was actually going to say was, I'm glad that they didn't go that route. (laughs) Okay. That's, that's, uh, that's ambiguous enough to not sound Um, really bad. But yeah, it it would have been really distracting if they had done that. So I, 
I think so yeah. too. I think so too. Uh, um, I think it's. I think it's so. That's. I think that's really interesting because I think it's possible that that might not be the end for like Chris Evans. Like I think he could theoretically come uh, like back. Theoretically, if you really want to. I mean, uh, but I don't think they're going to. Yeah. 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 That's fair. I think I think he said like in recently because like he's done like his contract's over but I think that they've said like he's like a little he wants to go do a lot more things but he's like open ish yeah like it could be one of the things that he did in his life was go visit the Avengers in the future yeah 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 yeah. I mean he did have well he didn't have the time stone he had some pin particles so. Anything is possible with pen particles. Mm-hmm. Not anything, but time travel is. Um, so anyway, Thor is now in Guardian. Like he's going to be in the next Guardians um, without having his own movie. That's interesting. Um, it. I think that's pretty cool too. Unless unless Guardians three takes place before Infinity War and just follow because all the Guardians movies take place in twenty fourteen. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah. Because Guardians two comes right after Guardians one, and it's like still the same. It's the still, okay. still the same year. Like it's it takes place chronologically before Infinity War happens. Um, didn't know that. Also hated that movie. So, you know. Uh, so yep. Isaac, we know that you love it, but you're wrong. Is anyway. that your your dog? Your roommate? That, no, that's the D- oh. No, I thought you said Isaac. Isaac. Oh, hey, no, I said hi, listening. Zach. I don't know. Well, <laughs> hey, Zach, so, yeah. so that's listening. an interesting uh, development. He's not completely off the table, but you know who I don't know if they're off the table or not. Words are having trouble coming out of their mouth with their mouth out of my mouth right now. Wow. I'm just going to say it. Hulk. <laughs> Words can have their own mouth. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. is yeah. what is Hulk yeah, right now? Like, he was probably written out. He's stuck as the, like, Hulk character, so they're probably not going to do a whole movie where he is that. Um, there's a possibility that he'll show up as a side character in something else, like he did in Thor Ragnarok. But I think it's just as likely that mm-hmm. he is done. Yeah. I think, because his... Because I, I think the rights for the Hulk for Hulk are still so screwed up too. Um, cause the other thing that, yeah. Cause I think that Param or not, I think that universal still has the rights for a solo film for Hulk. And so if, if, if Disney and Marvel studios wanted to make a Hulk solo film, they would have to do it in partnership with universal. Like they did. Oh, like they did the I didn't Hulk. know that. And I think that's why they have a, a solo. Okay. Film. Yeah. But they have been saying, cause Kevin Feige said it last year, and people have been talking about it today and er, this weekend some, cause there's that point at the beginning of the film or Okoye uh, um, sees that earth, like see talks, was talking about that earthquake in the middle of the ocean or whatever to, to Nat. Um, and she like talks about the coordinates of it or whatever. And apparently the coordinates for that earthquake in the middle of the ocean map to the coordinates for that thing that Nick Fury shows in Iron Man two, where he shows like Stark, the, like this world map and there's like a dot in Wakanda and there's a dot in the middle of the ocean and there's a dot somewhere else or something like that. Or there's a dot in the, in the, in the Arctic where they find cap uh, frozen um, that people are like, that's like a Namor, mm-hmm. a Namor thing. And like Namor is going to be 
in like Black Panther 2 or is going to be in the next like saga of things or whatever. And Namor was another character whose rights oh. were tied up also. Interesting. Like okay, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Well, Disney's probably going to buy them soon anyway, so. Yeah, they're going to buy Universal and they're going to buy Paramount and they're going to buy Warner Brothers and then they're all going to give us bucket helmets like Plankton did in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. And One can dream. One can dream. <laughs> anyway. Um, so there's, that leaves one character that we have not talked about. Hawkeye! Uh-huh. This movie actually made me care about him a little, which really yeah. surprised me, mainly because his wife is Linda Cardellini, which I wasn't expecting, and she still looks exactly the same as she did 20 years ago in Freaks and Geeks. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, but no, he's really- getting a... He's getting a Disney Plus show, I think. Yeah, and it's going to be about him training Kate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is cool. <laughs> and it's interesting that of all the characters, he's the one, like all the six main characters, he's the one who gets the biggest stuff following on from this. It also makes sense because he was the sort of least important and least liked character. So it makes sense that like mm-hmm. he's the one who's able to go on and have a TV show and not just another movie and hadn't had a movie yet. Yeah, I am curious because like because because Black Widow's getting a movie, um, and she's dead. So I would it's assume that yeah, it's going to be like an origin film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be her doing like spy stuff in Russia or whatever. Um, but like the Hawkeye Disney plus series, I would imagine we'll pick up from this movie and we'll be, you know, well, obviously it will be because if he's training Kate Bishop, then, um, then it would, it would do that. But yeah, you're right. Like he's the only one who like already has an announced arc for what comes after this. And I would think that Thor will get some announced, like some kind of announcement or something. And the Hulk will probably won't, probably won't get much for him for, for a while, but yeah. Yeah. I wonder, now that we're saying this, Kate is a young Avenger. Do you think there's a possibility that, like, teenage Cassie Lang would come over and then we'd get more of the young Avengers introduced in that show for potentially a spinoff show? And on TV shows, it's a lot more likely that they could have queer characters. Yeah, so I absolutely think that if the Marvel Cinematic Universe does young avengers stuff it'll be it'll be a disney plus show like defenders was um or something um or like runaways or yeah and i'm like i'm i just think it's so fascinating like because okay so this is where i just dropped my headphone um this is kind of where um so i like two more questions i guess sort of as we wrap up like one like where does the Marvel Cinematic Universe go from here? And then finally, like, was this a good a good ending for these films? And we can get to that one second. But I'm like super curious and fascinated by all like all these Disney Plus shows happening, and that being sort of like the beginning of Phase Four as we as we know it. Like, because Loki's getting a show, and I don't know how that's going to happen unless it's because he like got the Tesseract again in this alternate thing. And it's just like doing God stuff and just doing like journey into mystery things. Oh, because he died. Uh, yeah. In infinity yeah. war. Oh yeah. 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 Um, cool. and I'm curious how, <laughs> I'm curious how like WandaVision is going to work. Um, even though like Elizabeth Olsen has said, it's going to be kind of like a 1950s, like domestic kind of like 
uh, I Love Lucy kind of thing almost. But like Vision's still dead from Infinity War. Um, so unless unless Banner um, and and Hank Pym and some other people build a new Vision and figure out how to and Shuri and Shuri definitely Shuri. How oh, can I forget Shuri? Lo siento. Uh, like build a new vision and then they go like live together and basically, you know, make a TV show out of Tom King, Tom King and Gabriel Walta's like vision comic, except with maybe less death and creepy things. Um, like, I don't know how that's going to happen. Um, but like, obviously now we know that like the, the like the Falcon winter soldier show is going to be, I guess like Falcon trying to live up to being the new captain America, which is kind of cool. Are there any other shows besides those three? The Hawkeye, which is the I think no, the wait. fourth. Wait, so Hawkeye, WandaVision, Falcon, and Loki. Loki, okay. Um, I think those are the four. And Hawkeye, I don't think has been confirmed. I think it was no. I think it was announced because uh, like the other three have like lo- like have like logos and stuff, and like like Disney Disney has talked about them. I think Hawkeye, like Variety or Hollywood Reporter or something, ran an article saying this is happening. Yeah, I think it was an official annu- like it was an official announcement, but it happened like a few weeks after the other ones were announced for some reason. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, I knew it took place after. I think like because because Disney had that big investor meeting a few weeks ago that unveiled like the price point for Disney Plus and the launch date. Um, and I think I don't think that any of these shows are going to be available at launch, but they showed um, like what the, the the title logo for Falcon and Winter Soldier is. And I think they showed off some details for it and for Loki and talked about what because they announced like the name of the Scarlet Witch Vision show would be WandaVision. Um but they didn't talk about Hawkeye and all that stuff. So I think it would be a late, it's going to be a later edition, like a next year, late next year edition to, to Disney plus. All of these shows, I couldn't imagine, like I'd imagine that they would be not like agents of shield in terms of quality, but like agents of shield in the sense that they exist in the same world, but they don't really cross over a lot with the movies. I think that the movies are going to continue doing their own thing. I think that's definitely true. Um, and I think the, like, we're going to get these movies with these new characters. Like we'll get that Eternals movie. We're getting a Shang-Chi movie and we'll get black widow, but it'll be like a prequel. And then we'll get like Dr. Strange, Spidey two and three guardians, three black Panther, two cap captain Marvel, two Ant-Man and the wasp three. Um, and like all those older characters will be doing their own thing over here on the side on Disney plus. And I think like with WandaVision, they confirmed that it was going to be um, like a, I think God, I wrote this up for multiversity. I think they said it was going to be um, a six hour thing. And, and Elizabeth Olsen didn't know how, how many episodes or how it'd be broken up or whatever, but she knew that it was like a six hour piece that would be broken up into episodes or whatever um so it's they're going to be shorter i think they'll be sort of like shorter uh versions of the netflix shows because i think the mcu learned their lesson a little bit of of these need to be a lot shorter and we have more control over that if we have our own streaming service mm-hmm. um but i am like i'm i'm fast i'm i'm i just think i just think it's interesting because it seems like like agents of shield and all the Marvel Netflix stuff 
and I don't, and I don't even know if like Runaways or Cloak and Dagger take place in this universe. Like if they take place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I don't think that they do. Um, but I think I saw like on News Newsarama ran something last week where they talked about them as if they were in this universe. Uh, but like Marvel, the the movies have ignored Agents of Shield and and Agent Carter for the most part. Although the guy who played Jarvis and Agent Carter was the guy who played Jarvis in Endgame, which was cool, James Darcy. Uh, uh, and they've ignored like the Netflix shows, and it's just so interesting that these shows on Disney Plus, like, they're going to be like integrative, integrative parts of of what is happening going forward. Mm-hmm. But only integrative in the sense that they spin directly out of the movies and they star actors that were in it, but not in the sense I think that big plot elements of the shows are going to go over into the movies. No, I don't think they're going to be driving like phase four or anything, but like to not have an even referenced the Netflix shows or agents of shield in any of the movies, like there will be direct reference to these things happening on Disney plus in movies going forward. Mm-hmm. And there might be movies that are made that spin out of things. Maybe like, I don't think that like you're going to have to like, Oh, w- watch Avengers Endgame and then watch this next movie and then watch these three shows on Disney plus, And then you can watch this next movie but I could totally see a, a universe in which uh, there's like a show that happens on Disney plus and then all like, and then like it's really popular and then they make a movie that like spins out some ideas from there. Maybe. Well, these are also all the, like they're pretty much just the characters who are left over that were big in, well, since phase one. Um, yeah. Yeah, Falcon didn't appear in phase one, but you get what I mean. They've all been around for a while Mm -hmm. and all the characters that they were coexisting with are now off the board. Um, So it's like this is they had their time in the spotlight as the movie main characters and now they're down to just being TV shows. Um, So it's a way for them to keep using the characters, but not have to make any movies about them because they're focusing their movies on the other existing characters and the new ones that they want to introduce. Right, right, right. Um, I just had a thought too, as you were saying that, cause you're right. Like not phase one, but like the, all of the characters that have Disney plus shows were introduced at least before age of Ultron at this point. Uh, um, I wonder if, for like Tom Hiddleston and Elizabeth Olsen um, and those people, if uh, like if making these Disney plus shows is counting for them, like fulfilling the rest of their contract of like how many movies they signed up for or whatever, or if they That's like, if this is an extension too, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, it's possible. And that also makes me wonder I wonder if Thor being in the new guardians is also a way to get around, like not having to have him have his own movie again, but still fulfilling a contract where maybe he had one movie left. Yeah. I think cause I, cause, cause, um, they did say recently, 
I, I don't know if it was, it was Taika Waititi or, or Tessa Thompson or somebody said that like Thor four is like still on the table. Like it's not like out of, out of possibility that that couldn't be made or whatever. Mm. Uh, okay. And I, out of all of those characters, I mean, well, cause they killed Iron Man and Cap's old now, but even before Endgame came out, his was, he was the one that I could see them making more movies with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I don't right. know. Okay, so we went down that rabbit hole. So finally, um, was this a good a good capstone or a good ending to eleven years of film? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I said that up front. Uh, yeah, I think that was the biggest thing that the movie did well Mm -hmm. yeah i liked that it uh like my i mentioned my cousin's son before he reached out to me and asked like hey i just watched the first captain america is it better to watch the movies chronologically or um or in release order and my answer to that question no matter what the context is always release order but um it, when it comes to movies, uh, comics can be a little tricky sometimes. Yeah. So but, you're a, so you're a, you're a, uh, oh no, you haven't watched the Star Wars movies. I've watched all of them and I did not like them. Um, oh, that's right. You did it recently <laughs> and you didn't like them. That's yeah, right. It was like a year and a half ago, but yeah. You don't like Dragon Ball Z? You don't like Star Wars? Even... Yeah. Anyway. I like a lot of things. <laughs> I, uh, no, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that you hate everything. I'm just saying you hate all the important things. Yeah, basically. Okay, please keep going. I don't know where I was going. Uh, something about your cousin release order. Oh, yeah, okay. So in Endgame, I thought it was interesting that they had a cap. <laughs> I didn't mean to make that pun, but there was, oh, wow. <laughs> there was a, a cap to Cap's story, and there was a very definite cap to Tony's story, and both of those happened like at the very end of the movie. So no matter which way you watched it, it still capped things off. Yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 it tied up the conflict that they had in civil war too. Like they reconciled yeah. it. And then they died. And, they died. <laughs> and, they died. <laughs> and that's how life works. And that's how life works. You forgive and then you wake up the next day and And then you don't. And then you don't. Um that's yeah, that would have been a better thing to say. Better joke. Uh or not a joke. That's not a joke. Or it is. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, uh yeah. I think I think that that's true. I think um like if anything, like not even not even me thinking about my own experience of this movie. Uh, not even me having nitpicks or whatever else. Uh, I think unapologetically and, and with certainty, I can say that this was a, a, a wonderful, much needed and, and just like really uh, great cap to 11 years of, of filmmaking and to the life of these characters that have had movies since even before I was in high school. Um, like, can you, like, in, in 2008, when when Iron Man 1, in May of 2008, when Iron Man 1 came out, um, Obama was running for president uh, for the first time. Marvel was about to publish the second issue of, of Secret Invasion. 
the new 52 at DC hadn't even happened. And I was finishing eighth grade. Yeah. I was and also a finishing lot. eighth grade. <laughs> there you go. A lot of, a lot of life has, and a lot of things in the world have happened since then. And these movies have been constant and they have told this long narrative that nobody thought they were going to be able to tell because of this kind of, of universe and these movies being tied together in this way just hadn't existed yet. And, and now it does. And everybody wants to have this. And this is, it's a fantastic achievement. Um, And that's really wonderful. And I'm happy for those reasons. I left and I was like, okay, it's over. (laughs) They did it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, do you have any other uh, end game thoughts then? Nope. I think that hour and 15 minutes did it. We did it. We talked for a while. Cool. Well, folks, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, uh, we will talk about all of the Marvel news for the month of April, getting all that out there. It's going to be a little bit different than our usual show, but we're going to get all those things out there. And uh, uh, we'll see you after the break. So, yeah. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. Okay, and we're back. So for the second part of this episode, we were going to be discussing all of the uh, news out of Marvel Entertainment, Marvel Comics for the month of April. Normally, uh, for most episodes, as, as many of you know if you've been listening, uh, we talk about all the news, uh, the first part of the episode, and then review some issues the second part of the episode. And just with uh, everything going on, we're going to forego uh, reviewing some other issues uh, that came out in April. Although we talked uh, back at the beginning of the month about War of the Realms number one, and you can seek out that episode at your own leisure. Um, but with that, we're going to transition into discussing uh, comic book news for the month. Of April. So, first off, the uh, biggest piece of news uh, or, uh, for the month of April are all the things that have now been solicited and are coming out of the uh, current War of the Realms uh, uh, event, which, as I said, we just we talked about at the beginning of the month um, because issue one and two came out in April. Issue three is out this week. Uh, the series is quite good, as we decided. Um, so the first big ongoing series that is spinning out of War of the Realms, and I will also preface this section with saying a little bit of spoiler warning, um, because this series deals with some of the aftermath of things that are happening in War of the Realms. So if you uh, don't want to hear us talk about this, I would skip ahead maybe like five, five, five minutes or so, and we'll be talking about something else. But um, so Marvel has announced a new ongoing Valkyrie book. Uh, written by Jason Aaron and Al Ewing, co-writing together with Art by Kafu, who is usually uh, who has been doing a lot of work at Valiant as of late. Um, 
uh, really great work. And then covers by Mamad Asrar and Matt Wilson. Uh, so it's an ongoing book. It's beginning in July. The reason that this is really, really cool and spoiler filled from War of the Realms issue number two is that Jane Foster, who uh, took up the Thor mantle um, in Jason Aaron and Russell Dardeman's Thor, Thor and then Mighty Thor run, is going to be taking up the mantle of Valkyrie at the end of War of the Realms. Um, in issue two, uh, a lot of a lot of the Valkyries and also Brunhilde, who is uh, one of the main Valkyries and one of the main characters in the book, is are killed by uh, by Malekith. Um, and so there's going to be a new Valkyrie book spinning out of War of the Realms starring Jane Foster. She's sort of straddling the the realm, but because the Valkyries guard the realm of the dead, um, and so. Uh, or they guard they guard Valhalla, uh, and so Jane's gonna be straddling responsibilities for the dead and responsibilities for the living. And Al Ewing sort of described it as like Jane knows how to be Thor. She was Thor for a really long time, um, but she doesn't know how to do this yet. She has some new different responsibilities. Um, if you can't tell, I'm really excited about this book because I'm I'm given I'm I'm talking a lot more about it than I would typical newsy things. Uh, but Nick, what are your sort of overall thoughts about a Valkyrie book coming out? Um. <laughs> wow. Okay. Cool. Never mind. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's all I got. Um, Valkyrie. Aww. It's an extension of his Thor run. So for me, as someone who is basically just waiting until the whole Thor run is done to read it, I'm like, okay, just another drop in the bucket. Just more issues to add on to the end of that read. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, if Jess were here, she would have thoughts. Um, would you rather I bring back the catchphrases? If you want to. Um, yeah, no. So, okay. So I am. So, uh, because as we talked about uh beginning of the month when we talked about War of the Realms, I have read most of Jason Aaron's Thor run. Um, I think it's very, very good. Uh, and the parts, the Jane Thor parts, the, the eight issues that were um, Thor and then like the 20-something issues that were the Mighty Thor with Dodderman are the best parts of the run, um, ostensibly, in my opinion. Um, indeed. Uh, and um, I just think that uh, that Jane as like a god and sort of like straddling the line between like humanity and and godliness and 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 worthiness and all these things like uh, aaron just explored these these ideas really really well um i think coffee is a great choice because his art is kind of really in line with dotterman's it's sort of that more digital and more um curve and less uh like rough whatever um and I think the fact that Al Ewing is co-writing this with Aaron means that Ewing um, is going to be doing a lot more fun things for Marvel. It also maybe means because, um, and I think that I said this last episode and I was incorrect when I said it, that War of the Realms was the end of Jason Aaron's run. And in fact, he has another arc on Thor at, after this run. So we'll finish War of the Realms and then he'll still be writing the Thor series with Mike Del Mundo doing some things. But I would imagine um, after he finishes that, um, he'll be done. He'll just be doing Avengers and some other things. Um, he just had an image book that was announced. But I would think that this maybe sets up Al Ewing to be doing um, Thor stuff after Jason Aaron. And 
uh, Al Ewing's cosmic stuff at Marvel has been really, really wonderful. I think he's a great writer uh, and I'm excited about the future of that franchise. If it is indeed going to be in the hands of, of Al Ewing. So that's where I'm at. Nick, do you have any other thoughts? No. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I have, so there's two other books. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. Go I ahead. was going to say, I have thoughts about the next one. Okay. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, so there are two other books that are spinning out of War of the Realms also. The first one is a new Loki ongoing series written by Daniel Kibblesmith, uh, illustrated by Oscar Balzadua with covers by Oscar Yildirim. Uh, it's an ongoing. Loki's going to have some new responsibilities. He died in the first issue of the War of the Realms, so we don't really know what's going on. Um, but I guess this is like Dragon Ball Z death rules, which Nick is not going to get because as we established in the first part of the episode, Nick doesn't like Dragon Ball yeah. Z. Um, but, uh, <laughs> we're like over eight right now. <laughs> we had a good movie discussion. Oh uh, yeah, we, we were we doing so well for the first hour and tw- hour and twenty minutes. Whatever. All right, uh, Nick, do you have thoughts on Loki getting a I new do. Book? <laughs> okay. um, Daniel ahead. Kibblesmith. I liked his four issues of Quantum and Woody, which I said back when we uh, saw that he was writing Black Panther and Deadpool. Um, yeah, yeah. Didn't he write the vote? Look, no, Al Ewing wrote the vote. Lucky, but yeah. I was gonna okay never um yeah other than that i've always wanted to read a loki book i want to read the um the gillen journey into mystery run um but maybe i'll get to this one first who knows yeah oh no it's christopher it was christopher hastings who wrote loki yeah i i i totally agree i do want to read the the journey into mystery stuff and i think um uh, I am like a little bit intrigued by this just cause like, and I, I agree with you. I think uh, Kibble Smith is a, it's like a fun writer. Like I, I associate him with a lot of like humor and stuff. Um, which is interesting because this is a book that's like spinning out of war of the realms. Uh, and Loki's had a lot of, I mean, has had like a big role in, in Aaron's whole saga. And like, he had a big role in this story and I'm assuming we'll probably have a big role at the end of this story. Um, and so it's cool that he's getting, um, Kibblesmith's getting like a spotlight, like getting like more responsibilities outside of just like getting to write these like fringe funny books for places. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so second book spinning out of War of the Realms is a five issue mini series called Punisher Kill Crew. Uh, crew is spelled with a K. So... Do with that what you will. Uh, written by Jerry Duggan, illustrated by Juan Ferreira, with covers by Tony Moore. Uh, so it is uh, Frank Castle uh, doing vengeance things, something about protecting a lot of orphans and killing gods and all that jazz. Uh, Duggan is writing the Punisher War of the Realms tie-in at the moment, and Ferreira is offering covers on that. So it's fun that they're going to continue to team for this book, um, the name Kill Crew uh, spins from a book that Grant Morrison, Mark Millar, Mark Millar and C. Buell, uh did in the mid-90s called Sc- Scroll Kill Crew, um, which some of you might know and some of you, most of you probably don't, but whatever. Uh, Nick, 
Punisher kill crew thoughts. I'm just thinking about the fact that Grant Morrison and Mark Millar were like real writing buds at one point. Yeah, they were like yeah. besties. And then and then Mark Millar became a Brexiteer and oh, it became a lot more things than yeah. that. But um, that's not what this is well, about. This is about <laughs> of which I have yes, no thoughts. Yeah. Cool. I don't really have a lot of thoughts either, other than uh, cool. I guess um, interesting. Like I think it's I think it's interesting insofar as it means that Frank Castle is going to have like a big role in War of the Realms, which I guess is cool. Um, other than that, it's like oh, all right, well, whatever. I don't read Punisher comics, mm-hmm. really. Um, I've read, I mean, like I've read some NS stuff, but that's it. So, all right, cool. Moving right along then. So, this one, this one might, this one might have a bit of discussion, I would think, because this is kind of an, a little neat thing that's happening. Um, so, starting in July, um, there are two new ongoing books that Marvel is launching um, that are uh, based on characters that originated um, uh, through a joint publishing effort that Marvel had in China. Um, uh, and so the books are uh, um, uh, called Arrow and Swordmaster. It was a, a, pub- a thing that a, pu- a partnership that Marvel had with uh, NetEase, which is a Chinese company. Um, and these are also characters that are making their English debut in War of the Realms uh, with the new Agents of Atlas book that Greg Pak is writing, which is being illustrated by, I think, Gang Huklim, I think that's right. Um, so they've been there have been books that they are books that are being published in Chinese, and so the um, Chinese translations with the art, uh, with the art and writing from those creators will be um, the first half of of all these issues of Arrow and Swordmaster. Both they will be translated and published uh, in English for the first time, and then there will be back like. I don't know, necessarily know if it's backup because all the issues are 40 pages. So I think it's like they're going to be half and half. Um, the second half of all these books will be new stories uh, written by Greg Pak. So the arrow, arrow, A, not arrow like like bow and arrow, but arrow like A-E-R-O. Um, uh, as a team up story, arrow with wave and wave is the um, Filipino hero that Greg Pak and uh, little Francis Yu created co-created for the new Agents of Atlas book, The War of the Realms Time. Um, so Arrow and Wave are going to team up, and that's Greg Pak and Pat Mahan doing those stories. And then the Swordmaster, Swordmaster book, the second half of that book, is going to be Swordmaster teaming with Shang-Chi, who is also a member of the new Agents of Atlas. And that's going to be written by Pak and illustrated by Ario Anandito. Um, so Nick, thoughts on Arrow and Swordmaster? Uh, first off, Greg Pak and Pop Man make a lot of sense together. Um, I think they both mm-hmm. do that sort of youthful energy very well. Um, but this is really interesting. I hadn't heard about this until uh, you mentioned that we were going to talk about it on the show. Uh, I- I'm really... Yeah, they announced it at WonderCon, so we we covered it in Multiversity, but it kind of, I think, flew under the radar a little okay. bit. Okay, yeah, I'm going to check these out for sure, uh, just because I'm curious how the art and writing style is going to be. Um, because, you know, American comics have a pretty distinct style, um, even 
superhero comics have a pretty different style from a lot of like what image is doing, which have a different style from like what boom or OGNs are doing. Um, but then even, even all of those are in the same category when you can compare them to British comics like 2000 AD, I think those are written in a very different way. And then manga is written in a very different way. And Franco Belgian books are written in a very different way. So I'm really curious what Chinese comics are going to look like, um, look like and read like i wonder if it's going to be more of a like manga influence or if it's going to be like if it's a if it's from hong kong if it's going to be more uh like american stuff or or more like british stuff really um yeah that's that's just fascinating i'm really excited to check that out yeah yeah, the art style. So like the cut. So they released like the covers of the books, um, in the, I mean, in the solicits and everything. Like the covers of the books, uh, and I guess the artists who were. Um, so I will, and I'm totally gonna butcher these names, and I am so sorry. Um, but so Arrow, the character, uh, she's a female architect named Lei Lei Ling, and she's created by artists Zhu uh, Ming and writer uh, Zhao Zhujun. Um. And then Swordmaster was created by artist uh, Chen Jiayun and then writer uh, Ki Shanshan. I totally probably screwed those things up, but that's fine. But all the art and the solicits um, absolutely looks like it looks a lot more like anime style art. So I would think that the first half of these books will look um, like a lot more like like manga kind of looking, but in like sort of like they're gonna be colored, which most manga isn't. Or, and then... Um, we'll have sort of that style and then the second half of the book will like change or like dramatically. And I would imagine, or it won't like maybe Pac and, and Mahan and, and Anandito are, are trying to like sort of match or mimic some of the like manga art style of the, of the, um, the first half and with this transition and like just telling stories that seem more like American style, I guess, or like seem more, more what we would expect from comics. Mm-hmm. Pac Mahan is definitely like, capable i think his base style is very anime manga influenced yeah i'm looking at the the picture now these character designs are very very anime manga um but at the same time i wonder how the actual storytelling is different um like just the oh, sure. panel okay, to panel yeah. like the layout but also the use of like when i think of manga i think of a lot of uh like decompression, a lot of like feeling panels as opposed to like action, 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 action. Um, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, no, yeah, that's that that makes a lot more sense as opposed to just like the art <laughs> style. Um, I hadn't even thought about about that the panel layouts might be different or that the like, storytelling techniques. Um could be could just like be so, so dra- like drastically different it'll be fun to like see these comments like to see both stories sort of like side by side in the same issue mm-hmm. um yeah and it's like another reason to check out the agents of atlas book that Pac is doing that's the war of the realms tie-in because they're going to continue a little bit which is kind of fun um and it makes me think too like i think it's fun that i mean i think one of the things that um akira yoshida cb Sibelski said when he became editor-in-chief and what i mean that one of the things that was his sort of like primary job when he was doing other things that weren't 
running Marvel um, was to like uh, recruit artists from other parts of the world. And so I wondered too, if exercises or um, experiments like these are going to become more, more common or if like characters that Marvel creates will become, will, will that Marvel will create characters from other parts of the world and, invite other artists from other parts of the world to come and be a part of, of their books. And, mm-hmm. and it's cool that they're having actual creators who are living in those countries and creating characters for those countries. Um, and then just bringing the character over into their universe. That's a strange and interesting prospect because American comics are very American focused. And even, yeah, even when they have characters from other nations uh it's just done i think in a very different way than it would be if it were actually created by people who are living in the country and making the comics for the country yeah no i totally i totally agree with that um because it's it's less yeah it's like absolutely less so than just um like 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 doing like the Bendis model of, of trying to like add diversity into the Marvel universe of like me Bendis as a, as a white, as a woke white man wants to create characters that are like that other people see themselves in and like that then take off and other writers, you know, do wonderful things with and like they yourself do okay things with, but like that, you know, do these other really cool things or, or this, that, the other, and like actually having creators from other parts of the world create these characters and then, have them run and, and do whatever with them um which i think is is smart in the way that more of this more of this stuff should should be like and i think it's i th- it'll be cool to see if any of these if any of these characters that that pock is using in this in this mini stick around like i think it's possible that we could get like an actual an agents of atlas book out of of war of the realms outside of just this like tie this four issue tie-in or whatever um so it'll be fun to see if um any of these characters have staying power or if this is like a, a fun experiment that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Uh, moving right along. Um, so for the first time ever, uh, the invisible woman, Sue storm is getting her own um, solo title. So this is being written by uh, Mark Wade illustrated by Matia de Ulis. Ulis. I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, who is who just finished um, illustrating the Kelly Thompson uh, Marvel Digital Original uh, Jessica Jones books, and we'll get covers by Adam Hughes. So it's a five issue miniseries. It's Sue helping an old Shield colleague, um, and again, first time that Sue Storm has ever had a solo book. Um, I think I know that like the thing. I would imagine that Human Torch has had a solo book at some point. I don't know that if Reed has ever had a solo book, if Mr. Fantastic ever has, but surely he probably has in the like 60 years that they've been publishing fantastic four books. I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I'll have to look that up. Um, it is interesting that this is the first time that, uh, invisible woman has ever had a, had a solo book and that it's an all male creative team again. Um, but yeah, so thoughts on thoughts on invisible woman, get that mini. Uh, Mark Wade um, wrote one of the most well-known and revered Fantastic Four runs of all time. So totally makes sense that he's doing this. Um, 
yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, that makes sense. I I I forgot that Wade wrote the fantastic. I forget that Wade has just like done everything. Um, <laughs> He's often. been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, uh, very true. I think so. So, um, so fair enough. Uh, I so I, I really like I really like uh, Deolis's, uh art. I'm probably butchering his name, and I do apologize. Um, uh, I loved the the work that he that he did with Kelly Thompson on the Jessica Jones books. I read. Did you re- go back and read those the those uh, two six issues? No, things, I didn't. Or those two like big. They were very good. I really I really like that. I'd recommend it. Um, and his art's like it's like it's like digitally, but it looks. Um, it's almost like if like Stuart Amonen was like entirely digital. Uh, and I just think it's like really sleek and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I think I I think uh, I'll probably check this out too. I think it. Uh, I think I would have been really maybe more excited about this book if it had been like a if if like a woman had been writing the book like if Kelly Thompson or um, like uh, like Jody Hauser. Is like a name, like because this seems like it could be like a Doctor Who kind of type book kind of thing. Like if if um, if it meant somebody other than 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 Mark Wade, which like I do like Mark Wade, like 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 some of the books that Mark Wade has written are some of my favorite comics that I've ever read. But um, he's getting to that that age where he is kind of like is, is starting to do like sort of like extraneous sort of like fun things that like don't really matter. Like I maybe like want this book to matter more or something. I don't know. Yeah. I could see why I think if it were anybody else, like any other just random male writer, I could see why someone would be more upset, but like he, he has a very uh, like strong history with the team and this character. So it makes sense as it makes sense in the context of the things that we're going to talk about uh, in a little bit of like old creators returning for the characters that they are very well known for. That's fair. Yeah. 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 And you're right. Like he does have a history of his characters like 30 years ago, but you're right. You're right. 20, I think Um, 15 to 20. Was that in the nineties? It was like late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. Okay, so like twenty. Okay. Um, all right, all right, all right. So moving right along, um, this and then a lot of small things. Uh, so Marvel is starting in July, um, doing a sort of like event kind of thing that will have the banner "Acts of Evil" that will run in the annuals in annuals of some of its books in July, August and September. So I think by the end there will be nine or 10 annuals one shots that are published. Um, uh, so acts of evil is a, an event where Marvel heroes will fight villains that they wouldn't normally fight. It's based on a 1989 storyline that did about the same thing called acts of vengeance, which I think also ran in annuals. I think if I read, if I remember, remembering correctly from what I read earlier, but I could be wrong. 
um, nonetheless, same same sort of premise. So the July titles that are doing this are uh, the Magnificent Miss Marvel Annual, where Miss Marvel will fight the Super Scroll, and that's going to be written by Max Visaggio, illustrated by John Lim, with a cover by Stefano Caselli. Uh, there's a Punisher Annual, a Punisher versus the Brood Queen, by Carla Pacheco, illustrated by Adam Gorham, with a cover by Dustin Weaver. And then there's a Venom Annual, where Venom is fighting Lady Hellbender, written by Ryan Caddy, illustrated by Simone DiMello, and a cover by Wu Day Shim. So Nick, thoughts? Uh, only really have thoughts on the Miss Marvel one. Miss um, Marvel, character that I really love, uh, Max Visaccio, a writer that I really respect. Putting them together? Unexpected curious about it definitely gonna read it yeah yeah that's the same like same uh, yeah. I'm really out of all of these I'm most excited about the Miss Marvel one because I love Max Massaggio mm-hmm. um, and um, then the fact that it's like acts of evil it makes me wonder if they're trying to like get in on what DC is doing with their year of the villain yeah, people were making that comparison. Um, I think maybe a little bit. Uh, but then again, it's like the, it's superheroes, villains are always a big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the year that like the year the villains of the DC's doing it's like you know, like every title is basically it's like their whole line is like tying into that whole thing. Um, but this is yeah, like it is like similar ish. Um, I think this is really fun because it's giving characters that don't have or not character creators. I burped again. Uh, creators that don't have a lot of, uh, I'll cut the, the part that I said that I burped again. <laughs> um, uh, creators that don't have a lot of Marvel work, the opportunity to come and to do something fun, to come do like a one shot in continuity and hopefully open the door for more work. Like um, like Matt for Mags, like she's, I guess only written that Dazzler one shot basically for Marvel, um, which, which is really, really good. Um, and I don't know that Carla Pacheco has ever written anything for Marvel. There were a lot of people in our multiversity comics, um, uh, Slack, um, group when this was announced that were very excited that Carla Pacheco was doing Marvel work. Uh, and I don't, I didn't really even know who she was, but I went and looked her up. She's like done some Rick and Morty stuff. Um, and is, uh, just done some creator and stuff and other things. So, uh, people were excited about her and like Ryan Caddy, who, um, I guess is he's publishing infinite dark right now at, at image and doing some other work. Um, it's exciting that these, these creators that are sort of on the outskirts or like at the beginning of their careers are getting to do some fun things for Marvel. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I think the concept's like fun and dumb, but I don't know if the three of these, the, the most Marvel one is the one that I'm the most excited about for sure. So, yeah. We'll look forward to more of these uh, titles as the August and September uh, solicits are announced. We don't know what books we'll be getting um, annuals at this point, um, but uh, there's some. there were some other creators who had tweeted out the Acts of Evil tease thing as it was coming. Um, so we'll be some more fun stuff happening. Okay, finally, 
Uh, and this is going to be sort of a rapid fire uh, bit. So there are a number of one shots um, or backups or the beginning of sort of like weird mini events that Marvel is doing in the month of July, continuing sort of this thread of, of doing just like a ton of anniversary stuff for their 80th anniversary, um, having old creators come back to work on characters that they have really heralded runs on and so on and so forth. There are a lot of things um, happening in July. So we'll kind of go through this really quick. Um, So first off, so Kurt Busiek Busiek and Alex Ross are returning to uh, to Marvel's, which is sort of like the Marvel uh, equivalent of DC's Kingdom Come um, with an epilogue one-shot thing that's going to explore some of their stuff a few years later. Nick, have you read Marvel's? No. I also haven't. Do you have thoughts on this? Nope. Cool. All right, moving on. Uh, I, it's a much it's a much heralded, beautiful, classic sort of like Eisner bait book. I should have. Much, I should be reading. Much heralded classic that neither of us have read. Yes, because we stuck, uh, or yeah. we don't have any time. Whatever. I mean, like I will read it one day, and we'll probably cry at the end of it because I would. Sure, I'm sure it's very beautiful, and Alex Ross is wonderful. Um, do you have Kurt, thoughts on Marvel? Kurt Busiek is. Um, like I could see why the guy who writes Astro City would write a good book like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so I'm sure that other people have better thoughts than we do. <laughs> whatever. Uh, so uh, moving on, um, there's a giant, so uh, giant-sized ecstatics special coming out in July, written by Peter Milligan, illustrated by Mike and Laura Allred. Um, uh, the Millig- uh, Milligan and the Allreds did. Um, a run on, I think, New Mutants, right? And then it transitioned into X X Force. X Force, not New Mutants. X Force, which transitioned into X Statics in their early aughts. Much heralded run was sort of fun and inventive at its time. They were turning, and then uh, Allred, Mike Allred, has has teased that there is more X Statics stuff coming after this one shot. Nick, have you read X Statics? No, that's one that I like saw on my shelf the other day, and I was like, "Ooh, I should read that very soon." <laughs> mm. Mm. Yep, I, I really like Peter Milligan. Uh, I mean, I've, I love his Shade the Changing Man, um, and Michael read. It depends. I'm like sort of up and down, but I feel like I would really like that run. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think everything that Mike Allred has illustrated that I've read is just fan- like I think is is fantastic. Um, so I will, I will definitely be checking this out. I haven't read um, X Force or X Statics, but uh, it is on my like long laundry list of of I know I need to read this someday. Thanks. So I'm excited about this. And if it spawns more stuff and if like that urges me to read, go back and read ecstatics, then, then all the, all the merrier. Cool. So moving along. So Jeremy Whitley, unstoppable wasp writer, Jeremy Whitley, who we interviewed last episode and artist will Robson have a future foundation backup story that they're doing in fantastic Four number 12, which I think Whitley has teased uh, could lead to um, a spinoff title, a spinoff future foundation book. Um, so Nick thoughts about that. I love the future foundation. (laughs) So when I, uh, 
I went back after I read Hickman's Fantastic Four. I went and I picked up the trades for slots run that had just started. And um, I was really sad that they were written out within like the first. They were written out in the second issue, which was the first issue that they had appeared. So I'm really glad that they're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think and we've and we've talked about this both with slot slots iron man and fantastic four books both even though they keep getting delayed because the i guess the guy writes really slow um it seems like everything that he's um putting out with those books like all the single issues all of them seem like he's like weaving in sort of like decades long stories and things um and so yeah it's exciting that it seems like this is going to be the first sort of spinoff and sort of like big next step of of his run um which could be really really fun i i really really i i really really like what whitley's done on unstoppable unstoppable loss and after getting to talk to him i just i think he's really cool and i have a lot of respect for him and so i i'm excited about this um and where it could possibly go yeah cool thing that i'm less excited about um so starting in july um actually i don't know if we even know who the creators on the next bits of this are going to be so peter david and francesco uh, mana are writing a one shot called fantastic four the prodigal son son s-u-n um which is a one shot coming coming out in july it's gonna be like a three issue one shot um sort of like the um the like typhoid mary sort of three issue thing that came out late last year uh, so there's Fantastic Four, The Prodigal Son, and then in August, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Prodigal Son will come out, and then it'll wrap in September with Silver Surfer, The Prodigal Son. And no idea if David or Mana are continuing on the title or anything, but this is a, a thing that's happening. It's sort of like a fun-ish, I guess, maybe off to the side story. Nick, do you have any thoughts? No. Cool. Okay. I would I would doubt that. The next three of these are going to get a get a rise There's one. or anything either. Uh, okay, okay. So Wolverine and Captain America Weapons Plus one shot coming out in July. Um, Wolverine and Cap both being a part of Super Soldier Weapon X whatever stuff written by Ethan Sachs who's writing Old Man Quill right now and who wrote Old Man Hawkeye illustrated by Diogenes Nevis. Uh, thoughts? Uh, read all three and then guess which one I have a thought about. Okay, so there's the Wolverine and Cap one, and then there's another one called Captain America and the Invaders, The Bahamas Triangle, written by Roy Thomas, illustrated by Jerry Ordway, um, hearkening back to uh, Captain America in the 40s things and stories. And then there's uh, Wolverine versus Blade special, um, uh, written by Mark Guggenheim and illustrated by Dave Wilkins, that Guggenheim has said he's had this idea in his head for a really long time. Sort of, it's just... Wolverine versus Blade doing things. Um, I think the thoughts that you probably have are on the Thomas and Ordway book. Sorry, I, uh, my microphone button. Uh, anyway, yes, you are correct. Uh, Roy Thomas hasn't written a comic in a good while. I'm like 99% sure that he hasn't written anything in like a decade. And if he has, it's been like one issue here and there of like not big things. Um, so that's really interesting to me. He's still like a regular writer at Alter Ego Magazine at Tomorrow's. Um, 
But otherwise, yeah, I'm assuming that he still writes in the same style that he did back in the 60s and 70s. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting good. for a one shot. I think it's interesting that they brought him back. I did not expect to see a new mm. Roy Thomas comic in 2019. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and again, I think it um, has to do with Ice of Marvel celebrating this 80th anniversary. That is like not really an 80th anniversary for Marvel, but it's an 80th anniversary for Timely, uh, the you know the company that preceded what would become Marvel Marvel Comics. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's fun that they're doing all of these one shots and putting out all these books and and doing all these like fun, creative things. Um, there were a number of one shots that came out in June that I doubt that we talked about on this podcast um, with like creators. Like there's some Wolverine stuff and some Hulk, some Hulk stuff with like uh, creators that like had heralded runs on those characters. I mainly brought these up because I, I went and reread the July solicits before this episode again. And it just seems like this, like this kind of stuff, like all these like fun side events and just like weird off to the side stuff and other excessive things. Um, it just seems like there's so much of it. Like they're really going all in with this anniversary in a way that um, they're just kind of like throwing everything at the wall, inviting everyone back. And it like doesn't seem cohesive at all. It's just like stuff that's, that's happening. Um, and that's fine. I just like, I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm like, wow, I could never afford to pay for most of these things. Just cause they're all like 499, 40 page issues and stuff. Mm-hmm. But that yeah, me. I mean, <laughs> because we do this podcast, we have access to, you know, review copies. Um, but if not mm. for that, yeah, agreed. I, I wouldn't check out uh, almost any of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So lastly, another one shot written and illustrated by a bunch of Marvel creators. There's a Marvel Summer special, which is basically like the swimsuit issue for 2019 kind of thing, I think. Um, thoughts on the Marvel swimsuit issue? <laughs> no. Okay, not your stick. <laughs> nah. All right. Well, whatever. Is it, it your stick? Ah, uh, no. Not really. <laughs> um, I'll look at it. I'll look at the pretty pictures. Okay. Although, all that being said, that like Christmas issue that they did, where it was like one page per creative team, it was like X Men book. That was really, really fun, I thought, actually. So if this is, I think this is going to be exactly like that. So it could be fun. Okay. Uh, who knows? Cool. Well, so that is all the Marvel news coming the solicits for the month of April. Um, we will be back next month on the third Friday of May, which is, I think, May 17th, which I think is my birthday. I mean, I know that it's my birthday, but I think that the third Friday is May 17th. Um, not to confuse you all, I do know dates. Yes, in fact, it is. We'll be back on my birthday to talk about Marvel Comics for the month of May. 
Um, until then, looking ahead to next month, the sort of highlights for the solicits are to all of the War of the Realms tie-ins kick off in in spades in May. Savage Avengers come, comes out. And then also, this weekend, um, the day after this podcast airs, uh, is Free Comic Book Day. Uh, and Marvel will be published, will be putting out two issues, an Avengers issue, which will have Jason Aaron Avengers stuff and Savage Avengers stuff and a Spider-Man issue, which will have Miles things and then also a preview for Absolute Carnage. Um, so do pick up both of those books. Uh, we'll probably talk about those some next week. And also just go to Free Comic Book Day, support your local comic book, sh- comic book shop or your local library or whichever um, institution near near you, which is putting on this event because it's an exciting thing and books are great and they need your love. Until then, you can find all of us on the interwebs. You can find Jess Camacho tweeting about wrestling and the fact that she's getting married at JessCamNJ. Nick, where, where can people find you on Twitter? At writes. Awesome. And you can also find us at multiversitycomics.com. Um, I guess I'm about to start reviewing Lucifer again because it comes back on Netflix next month. I'm shuddering thinking about how to do that, <laughs> but whatever. Oh, um, we're going to do the summer binge again very soon. That's exciting. I'm going to finish off Avatar with season three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is fun. I will be excited to read, to read all of those things. Um, yeah, summer is coming. Um, unlike those mother truckers who are tweeting about game of thrones summer is actually coming winter is over although it did snow three days ago in chicago i digress um it's not snowing in florida so shut up Uh, (laughs) you can find me on twitter at kb gregory 13 and again you can find all of us on multiversitycomics.com where we're hosted in a number of other uh podcasts news reviews and other uh fun comic and pop culture related things We'll be back on May 17th, for sure. I promise. Scouts honor. I wasn't in the scouts. Yada, yada, yada. We'll see you next month. Goodbye, folks.